there were a lot of crunchy bits. We know this every time we up level, there's always going to be crunchy bits and snafus and discomfort. And why am I doing this? And maybe I should be the Walmart greeter and, you know, all the things in between. Uh, when <laughs> I say sure I'm they do have a less just, stressful life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could tell everyone that right from the get-go with my business, I knew exactly where I was taking it and I had this grand vision and whatever. I didn't. I was just... Welcome to 7 to 8, our special series on 7 and 8 figure speakers. In this interview series, some of the hottest speakers in the industry who've made over 7 figures in a year or less will uncover their twists and turns in their adventures, helping you to avoid the potholes and stick to the fast track. Welcome now to Center Stage, our next guest speaker. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. Awesome. So give us a highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Well, I'd love to. So I live an hour north of Toronto in the forest. I'm her a little literal hermit in the forest having left the city. So that's been an interesting journey, uh, especially running an online business when you have to use satellite internet. Turns out <laughs> that <laughs> that always seems to, whenever I have the most important webinar, like live webinar or live challenge or something that I'm running for the company, right? That's when it decides to get cloudy or blizzardy or whatever. But no, I love it out here. I live here with my son, my husband, and my dog. And um interestingly this house it was only after I moved here I was living here for about a month and I realized this was in my vision book I'm I'm too much I have too many ideas to do a vision board I have to actually do a book that I literally <laughs> flip through and read every day but I I happened to stumble across it and I was like oh my goodness I have a loft I have a sunken living room I have an open concept thing I have cathedral ceilings I have you know all these things right and this has been had been on my vision board for probably like five years before it came in. And it didn't even occur to me, even when we looked at it, I just knew I really liked the space and my husband really liked the space. And um, I share that just as a fun fact, because we, we forget sometimes I know, I know our brains think that things shouldn't take as long as they do. And I wasn't married to it, but I just share that as a thing for everyone listening, right? Because we do this in business as well, where we think, yeah right? why hasn't it happened yet an event. I have an event that I want to fill and I, I want 100 people in the event and I know like you know 50 people that have a uh, large influence and between my list and everyone else's list and Facebook ads surely I'll get 100 butts in seats oh no it's not that you know with like one email no it's not that easy right all the time uh, of course there's other things we manifest quickly but anyways I have been in business for two decades and I've I bought and sold companies, acquired companies and so on. But my legacy company is Soul Journeys, which is a very woo company. And we're the number one spiritual training school in the world. And we've trained over 100,000 people in over 100 countries. And uh, we're all about elevating consciousness there. And um, and so we focus, focus also on elevating wealth consciousness and business consciousness. And um, yeah, so that that's a business that even if I tried to walk away from it, it just doesn't let me. It's, I don't know if anyone else can relate to that, where there's some businesses that just keep you know, coming back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So how did you get into soul journeys as a thing? My parents were very spiritual and I went for my first past life regression with them when I was four. And what? so I did not 
that was my life. I didn't know other people didn't live the way I did. Uh, because when you're a kid, you literally think every single kid is having the same experience. So I didn't know my experience was different. I didn't know anything. I knew that I knew things that made people feel uncomfortable because I would say things and they would gasp because I, you know, I would know, you know, half an hour before the phone would ring what someone was going to say. And I would say, oh, so-and-so called and they said this. And then half an hour later, that person would call and say these things, right? And my grandfather, my maternal grandfather was a psychic medium with the police and would solve crimes with them and saw a lot of horrific things. So he was over the moon to have a granddaughter that was as woo as I was. And he was sending me all of these very deep, you know, the kind of spiritual readings you read where it makes you cross-eyed because it's so deep. And even today, when I read those books, I go, what are they saying? So he was sending me these books on the bus from Ottawa in the like you know how heavy books are in boxes right and he was putting them on greyhound but and i'm talking like 20 30 books at a time in these boxes on greyhound buses that my parents would have to pick up (laughs) anyways it's funny but uh if i went to school and i learned very quickly oh i don't know what's wrong with me something must be wrong with me i'm making people feel very uncomfortable around me i don't know what i'm doing and so i spent a great chunk of time and even i think even in business we do this right where i i still will catch myself going oh who do i need to be in this situation so people feel comfortable around me i'm so used to people Mm -hmm. feeling uncomfortable around me either because i have a strong presence just i have a strong leadership energy but i also know things and people know that i know things but you know, not unlike many of us that are intuitive, we're not out there all the time trying to read people's energy and read people's thoughts and stuff. If anything, we're trying to shut that down when we're out grocery shopping or, you know, at a, at a baseball game or something like we don't want to be on 24 seven. But anyway, so I got, I didn't view, I never viewed it as a gift. I actually thought I was mentally unwell. I didn't even know how to articulate it, the things I would see. So I just kept it in and it felt like a curse. But the more I, the more mad and irritated I got about it, the less it went away. So I knew that wasn't the strategy. And I thought, well, what, what, what if I just leaned into this and got curious? And then it was fun. And uh, I was, I went to university to train as a forensic investigator. And I, being an overachiever and watching my dad be a hard worker and learning that you have to work hard for the sake of working hard and work hard for what you have and all the things, I thought it would be a genius idea to try and collapse a combined degree of five years into three years. And it turns out that that makes your life spin out of control. And that's what my car did on the highway one day. And uh, so it was a pretty traumatic car accident. But the gift in that was that I, my mom did reflexology and she started doing trades because of course I had limited funds putting myself through university. And um, so she did a trade with a Reiki master. And soon after I all of a sudden got into Reiki and that kind of combined the two worlds for me, the nice blend of energy and intuition. But I still followed this conventional path. I didn't know that, that there were jobs for people like me and it didn't even, I had no reference point for the fact that I could have a business. So, um, in, I started realize once I got into forensics, I realized, oh, I could have a business. I started actually meeting people that had Reiki businesses and stuff, but I still didn't know I was an entrepreneur. That felt like alien speak to me. Like, what are these, who are these aliens? What do you mean? You, you don't even wake up until 10. I'm waking up at six 30 to go to work. Like what, what are you even talking about? And, uh, but I, I mean, the burnout is so high in that, in that job. Right. And so the job was very rewarding and I learned a ton. I essentially got a PhD in every possible psychology you could, because you're just dealing with so much stuff, right? Like 
psychopaths, sociopaths, borderline personalities, all these things, and going to court all the time and being an expert witness and having to, to, to defend my position and all the stuff. And, uh, but I thought, oh my God, if this is going to be my life for the next 40 years, just having enough to get by or not quite having enough to get by, I just, I can't imagine my quality of life. Like I'm already burnt out. I already have no energy to do anything and I have no money. I have either just enough or, or not quite enough. So I made the decision to take the leap. It wasn't as easy as it sounds, as we all know, right? There's that there's that waiting period for some of us, it's 10 years for some of us, I think for me, it was about two years and, um, ran out of all the excuses and took the plunge thinking that my business, I was just so happy to do what I loved. And the fact that people were paying me, it was never about the money. I really just thought I would be teaching Reiki and doing Reiki sessions and doing readings for the rest of my life. I didn't have a vision and very soon into it, I ended up having a six-figure company and that was before social media, right? So that was me using timeless business principles and learning a lot from that time. And then, you know, with enough people, I say this jokingly, right? But hounding me to create a certification program, which I had no intention of doing. I didn't even know how to do it. I didn't know I was allowed to do it. I had all these stories. And I know we all get this in business, right? It's usually our clients that ask for things that all of a sudden, you know, like the best things are born out of what our clients are asking for, right? I tried to launch something with my good old ego brain, like, oh, everyone's going to love this offer, crickets, right? But clients ask for it. It's like, oh, so, um, so here we are 20 years later, I have an eight figure training school that was totally unintentional. It was never my goal to be an eight figure CEO. It was never my goal to have this big, huge company. Of course, as I evolve, though, and I know you get this, Michelle, and everyone listening, like money is just the more we up level our money, the more we're just really up leveling our leadership, right? And so when I made space for even more leadership, I saw even greater possibilities. And then staying the same just isn't an option when you have a growth mindset, right? So, so now we're on track to be a nine figure company, and maybe we'll get there, and maybe we won't, but at least we have a new goalpost, essentially, right, to be striving towards. Nice. I love it. So many people are striving to have their six figure, the seven figure company. And you're like, no, I did it accidentally. I tripped over. <laughs> I don't even say that to be flippant because I mean, obviously there were, there were a lot of crunchy bits. We know this every time we up level, there's always going to be crunchy bits and snafus and discomfort. And why am I doing this? And maybe I should be the Walmart greeter and you know, all the things in between. Uh, when I say sure they do have a less just, stressful life. <laughs> I, I wish I could tell everyone that right from the get-go with my business, I knew exactly where I was taking it. And I had this grand vision and whatever I didn't, I was just, uh, because I, I still had an employee mindset when I started my business, I was running a lemonade stand. I was basically a freelancer, come and give me an exchange, come and get my lemonade and pay me, you know, 60 bucks to come and lie on my Reiki table and I'll give you lemonade for an hour and then you can leave. And then hey, if you want to come back to the lemonade stand again, you know where to find me. Like I was so ridiculous. Oh, and the amount of money I probably left on the table by letting people send me checks in the mail because I didn't have PayPal back then. Um, it was literally like find a way to send me cash and mask it in the mail because so many people, by the way, were all over the world. Um, send me a check or pay me in person. If you're going to see me in person, that's, that's how I did these exchanges. Right. And I would get checks in the mail, like six months after the fact, I'd be like, Oh, I haven't heard from that person for like six months. Oh, wow. That's a, like, just 
ridiculous stuff, right? And so, um, so by by how I was running, based on how I was running my business in those first few years, I have no right to have an eight figure company. But that same woman, you know, because I look at her almost like a different person, right? It, it like I recognize her, but I also feel like I know she's a part of me, but she's also kind of outside of me because I can't imagine running a business like that. And like, that was just not sustainable. I essentially was running a, a, like in a job again, right? I remember five years into the business going, oh my God, the same feeling that I had in forensics I'm having now. I can't take vacation without losing money. I'm totally bottlenecked. I'm building a liability instead of an asset. And, um, and I love what I do, but I don't really love what I do right now. And so when I changed my business model, that's, that's when things changed a lot, but there was of course, a lot of upgrades, a massive upgrade. I had to really relinquish any employee mindset I still had. I had to relinquish any poverty consciousness and ways that I was anchoring that into my company. I had to surrender and actually hire my first person because I was bottlenecked. And that was, that's a whole, you know? Yeah. So how much were you at revenue when you hired your first person? Oh, I was at, so what happened was when I changed my business model, I went from about 150 to 200 K a year. And I all of a sudden leaped into like 600 K a year. And that's when I, I know it's ridiculous, but I had all this well, first awesome. all, lone wolf syndrome. <laughs> um, it's easier to do it on my own. I had all, all kinds of unconscious things. And I just share this because I know it's relevant to so many of us. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were very good with broken promises. So I just learned that actually, if it's going to get done, it is going to be me because why get my hopes up if someone's just going to break a promise to me anyways. And so that's, I didn't know it at the time, but when I look back on it, right. And my very first person I hired, I retained her for 10 hours and she did nothing. And we scheduled a call so I could find out why she had done nothing yet. And she decided to call me with her five kids and her friend's five kids from the McDonald's playroom so that I couldn't hear her. And she knew I couldn't hear her. So we couldn't have a conversation. So then I had no choice, but to end that thing at the end of the month. Right. And she's like, I don't know what happened. I I really wanted to work for you. I just, for whatever reason, I just couldn't do a single thing for your company. And I'm like, well, that's actually a load of caca, but um, it's really hard to work effectively with uh, 10 kids at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're working for McDonald's. And no judgment around the kids, just like any, you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. I had one and one was know. way too many for me. <laughs> totally. But you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that you don't have a session with the person that's hiring you to do stuff for them when you know darn well, that's going to be impossible, right? When, when she chose the time. But the point was, that it was hilarious because she really was a reflection. I hired my belief system. Nobody can support me. It's easier to do it on my own. Someone's going to break a promise to me. And she was that. It wasn't even her. She was the gift. Truly, she was a gift. And I, I recognize it right away. And I'm like, okay, so now you need to get clear on what I wanted. And my next hire was better until she wasn't. Right. But she was, she was always going to be better than the last one. And then I got clear on that person and then I hired my next person. And I think those of us in the online space, we know that there's certain roles like VA roles and stuff are going to be pretty transient. Right. So um, now I have a COO that does all that. She hires, fires, manages them. And I have relationship with them. Right. But I don't, I don't get overly attached because I know that they're going to come and go. And I think that's, 
an aspect of business that people don't really understand, it becomes a difficult um, relationship to have if you've never had one of those relationships before is are you treating them like friends are you treating them like acquaintances are you treating them like a mentor and trying to guide them like what does that relationship look like and a lot of people mm -hmm. don't realize that that relationship translates into your corporate culture and mm -hmm. I mean one you have a choice over that and two a lot of it is subconscious if it's not <laughs> if you're not uh -huh. looking at it directly consciously then it becomes subconscious decisions that you're making within your business. Absolutely. And it just, you know, to be clear, we're, we're clear in our company culture and I, I on team meetings and I actually let my CEO COO run those so that I don't undermine her. Right. So she can still hold her authority with the team. And, uh, but I show up because I want, I want them to feel like I'm, care about them as people. And, you know, I love them up with gifts on their birthday and holidays and send them special bonuses and stuff and send them notes of appreciation. Like they're, they're humans to me. I respect them. I appreciate them. Uh, but I also not unlike clients, I, I have a lot of clients that have been with me for like 20 years, but I also don't get attached to anyone because I know that when people, when it's time for people to move on, they will move on. And, um, and that wasn't always easy in the beginning, right? Those first few times you have team members that you think, you know, you're building a relationship with and then it doesn't work out. It's, um, it feels weird. But now after two decades of this, right, it, it's, it's just different. My core team member, like my COO or my, my program coordinator for my other company, those are the people that I'm, I'm really loving up and, and building relationship with. Uh, because they are basically my right hands, right? So I, I need them. We need to be in synergy with each other. And in fact, my COO, interestingly, I had a human design chart done for both of us. And it turns out we're, we're a perfect human. Like all of the things <laughs> that I have that she doesn't, she, you know, we complement each other perfectly. And we joke that we're kind of the A team. We work really, really well together. Uh, but I'm a generator. So I am the ridiculous person that fits three days into one day, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m., 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., 5 p.m. to 11 a.m. or 11 p.m. Each of those gets treated like a day and each day has distinct activities in that day, right? So I fit basically, what, 15 days, I guess, into a five-day work week. And um, and I'm like the Energizer Bunny when it comes to that, which is why I can run other companies and whatever. And she's a manifesting generator. So she wants to get everything off her plate. And I'm like, stop trying to get everything off my plate. Like, stop firing things at me. I have to respond and I have to be really able to respond. And when my calendar's this busy and you're giving me things to respond to that can wait, it actually irritates me, right? So that's what prompted the thing because she was she's so great. But I was like, I'm not working for you. Like this project's two months out. Please stop. I, I, I appreciate your your diligence and your efficiency and stuff. I really did. But at the same time, like coming at me, sending me an email that's non-essential and then the same day saying, did you get to that yet when it's not due for two months? Like I can't no. have that, right? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> with love, I don't work for you. And it's not that you work for me per se. I don't mean it to be like a superior thing, but Anyways, we, um, we work really well together and, and I can honestly say I'm in a place where I, I finally have a team that really, you know, we're very cohesive and, um, 
I think too, you know, like the, even the, the people that are in more supporting roles, they, they know me as a human. I think when you're doing, I remember this from forensics, like a lot of the secretaries are having to type our notes and they had vicarious trauma because we had to type up really crazy notes, right? Like I'm not going to obviously share it here because it will create trauma for people, but um, they were totally overlooked you know, and it's hard to do a job that's very repetitive and menial and that you're not attached to, or you're not attached to the people that are in the storyline of what you're participating in. Right. So I, I know that it's important for them to know me as a human and care about me and want to do these tasks because it's helpful to me. It makes my life easier to serve more people when they're helping me with these things that um, are in my zone of competence and not my zone of genius. And I also need to be on these calls to remind them the importance of the work that they're doing, right? When you're editing an audio for me and uploading it to a group mastermind, that actually is hugely valuable. You, you're changing someone's life. As soon as they listen to that audio, their life and their business changes. So you're an essential part of transformation, right? So I, I always want to be present for those calls. So they, they don't start to burn out on some of those things that I personally don't want to do in part because I'm a visionary, just please don't bring my head down into all this minutia. It, it, it hurts my head. It, I, like I just, I really suck at it. But also um, I have a commitment to myself that I only work in my zone of genius, right? And I really try to, to stay on top of that, so. Love it. Well, and would you say that that is the, the biggest thing you would change or the first thing that you would change if you could go back and kind of do it all over again? Um, not to say that you would change anything. <laughs> I've said it that way. I wouldn't have um, even known how to delegate. I didn't know how to delegate. I have learned how to, de- I had to learn the difference between abdicating and delegating, which I know we all have to learn, but I had to even learn what it is I could delegate. I was so used to being the janitor and the bookkeeper and the marketer and the salesperson and the, the technician and the, you know, the COO and the visionary and all the things. I, I, I didn't even know what I could, just like I didn't even know that business coaching was an option for me. I was five years in before I hired my first coach and um, breast investment I made, right? Because that's what helped me quadruple my income. But uh, yeah, I mean... I wouldn't have known what I know now, even if you had have told me, I, I, it would have been too advanced for me, right? Like I needed to progress into it. But I will say that my ongoing commitment to myself, and I'm extending this to all of you, because I know that this, this is just great reminders for all of us, that I'm always checking in, in life and business, right? So my husband, for example, he loves having stuff everywhere. And I'm like, there's a reason why they make furniture with drawers and cupboards. And um, maybe you could use them, please. That would be awesome. So uh, I, I joke, it's an ongoing joke with us. But the point is, as I say, like, I'm not here to manage stuff. I'm not here to manage time. I'm not here to manage expectations. I'm not here to manage other people's behavior and emotional immaturity. I'm not here to manage all of the things we might manage in our personal life. I'm not a manager, I'm a CEO. And then I look at my business and I say, okay, where am I operating as a manager? And it can be easy sometimes, right? It can be quicker to just do things, certain things on my own. Uh, it can be easy to fall into things. Now, I'm not talking about micromanager. I'm just talking about like zone of competence is being a manager. Zone of genius is being a CEO. There's there's very few things that we can't delegate. The only things I can't delegate is, for example, being here with you. I could get a body double, I guess, but that wouldn't be respectful to you, right? I have to be the face of the company. 
I don't even have to be the person that delivers service in my company. I can hire associate coaches to do that, or I can automate that stuff, right? And just automate my, my IP. But I do have to be the face of the company and I do have to hold the vision of the company and then communicate the vision and make sure that the vision is coming to life through the team members that I hire. Nice. I, I love that. And is it, is it possible just because you said have to, and sometimes when there's an emphasis on have to, I'm like, really? <laughs> could, could it be like a, a Coca-Cola where there is somebody there that is the visionary, somebody that is kind of bringing it out, but clearly it, that's not a personal brand. It's yeah. a, it, it's a concept brand. Um, mm. Is it possible to have a consulting company or training company or a, a, um, a transformational company and have it as a, as not as a personal brand or what do you think? Yeah, it's and that, that's what we're, that? that's where we're moving to now. Uh, the other company that I just acquired last year, I've made a point of not being the face of the company because I don't want to fall into old habit. And, and I was, I could catch myself. I was so excited to get this company. I'm like, oh, I get to develop an agency model. I've never developed an agency model. Yay. This is exciting. It's fun. Uh, and yay. I don't have to be involved in it. Meaning like, I don't have to be the service provider and stuff. Right. And, um, but it, it was a great, teacher in helping me see the remnants of where I was still getting involved in things that I didn't need to because these are our babies right and and also I mean we're investing time money and energy into these things we have a vested interest in making sure they're successful because none of us want to lose money in a business venture none of us want you know some of the hiccups that we've maybe had over our journey but yeah we are building it that's why I'm saying about it being a legacy built business at this point it is a training school Yes, I've been the person that started all the service delivery for a long time, but all the IP has been created and we're, I've actually just posted before I hopped on with you to bring on another associate coach, right? And really just start stepping out of, out of the things. I still like talking to people. I have very, I have a very unique relationship with my one-on-one clients. Like I have a very unique payment um, arrangement with people, right? To be mentoring at that level. Cause I still really like, helping people that have like one of my clients has a million people on her email subscribers. So for me, I could work with hundreds of people in a group program, or I could work with her knowing that the shifts that we're making together affect a million people. Right. So I still like doing that. And like I said, we have a unique payment arrangement where, I mean, people can pay me a lot of money every month, or they can pay me less money every month and then do like a performance-based percentage, right, on on what they're generating. So um, so that is still enjoyable to me. And I know for some people, they're still surprised that I do that. But that, to me, I it's, yes, I'm being compensated, but it still feels like a give back. Thanks. Love it. So talk to me about the different ways that people can interact. Because obviously there's people that are going to want to be straight up clients of your students, somebody that's mm-hmm. going to want to be your student, somebody that's going to want to be your direct client. Like how many ways are there that somebody can interact with your business, particularly we have a lot in Soul of, Journey? Yeah, we have a lot of digital trainings that I've created. And so people can, if they're just looking for information, right? And transformation for sure. Like I, I'm always putting activations and like healings and clearings and stuff in various audios. Uh, then we have, we have the certification program. Uh, and so we have a di- we have that digitized, but if people want it live, they train with one of our teachers, right? And they can just contact them directly. 
And then I have an exponential client attraction mastermind. So that's for people that are anywhere between, let's say, 3K a month, all the way up to about 10K a month, but they have the potential to scale, or I should say leverage and get to, um, to let's say, 500K years, depending on where they're at in six months. And I have the seven-figure club mastermind. That's that's a fun place, right? Because that's that's where we have these kind of conversations that we're having now. The, the It's not a teachership model. That's a leadership model, right? Most of my containers are teachership models. And then I have another uh, program called the Exponential Wealth Academy and people from all levels. I mean, we have people, multi-seven-figure earners in there and then we have people that have jobs and people who are retired. It's The scope is really interesting, but the the information is applicable regardless, right? Because it's still it's still going to get you in the gotchas, right? All of the stuff that comes up around the money and getting the money or the issues out of our money tissues is, is going to come up. And, um, and so that, that is a lot of fun as well. And that's being turned into a certification program. So you're hearing it here first by the fall, that's also going to be a certification. So, yeah, but as you can see, right, like I don't, I don't even need to be involved. And so thank you for calling me out on that. because. <laughs> I was just super curious going really do you have to yeah no I don't I'm choosing no. to I guess that's what it is so now I get to and I love that you do that because one of the questions I live in is you know people always say oh I'm not aligned to that or that person fell out of my life because they're not aligned no we're always aligned it's not a matter of are we aligned it's what am I aligning to our outer world is always going to show us what we're aligning to whether we're conscious of it or not so if we have a lot of chaos, we are aligning to chaos, right? Maybe we're aligning to people pleasing over responsibility, something like that. But there's something that we're aligning to that's creating the byproduct of chaos or peace or quantum money leaps or, or, or. And so I'm always living in that question of what am I aligning to? So now to your point, right? I'm, I'm now changing my language. I'm choosing to still be in the company to the degree that I am. And is that what I'm going to keep choosing? And if not, what am I aligning to? And then that choice of what I'm aligning to will allow me to call in what's going to be the resolution to, you know, where I'm going next. Nice. So and thanks for the coaching, yeah. Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't meant to be so much coaching so much as, you know, there's so many people because personal branding is a thing right now where people are going, like even to some extent, the bigger companies, um, you know, Bezos is the personality of his company, whether he likes it or not, um, mm -hmm. to some extent, and Musk. And and it's almost like we can't have a Coca-Cola company anymore. I mean, granted, Coke started in, what, mm -hmm. 1897, right, when you could do that. Um, it's almost as if personality is becoming part of the yeah. weaving of the company, was more what I was getting at, not to just... <laughs> Yeah, no, but it's no. Well, however, I took it. I just ran with it. But <laughs> I hear you. Awesome. And it, it is actually interesting. And it reminds me even of Poupery with Susie Batiste, right? Here she here she's running this multi-billion dollar company, but she still has to, well, I shouldn't say she has to. She's choosing to go out and be the face of the brand story so that people can be connecting her with that. And, you know, she's I know she's doing a lot of speaking gigs. I don't know if she's done a book and stuff. I don't follow her that much. But um, yeah, I do think that that we are doing that in part because, well, a lot of it, I think, has to do with the identity politics and stuff that it's really been inflamed over the last few years. And people really want to know where you stand. So we know in 2020 when um, George Floyd was murdered and and, you know, without bringing that up too much, because I know it can still be traumatic for people mm -hmm. to hear that. But we we saw that there was kind of this line in the sand where people finally just said enough talk all of you folks keep telling us year after year you're going to do better do better 
And we saw people like um, Ben and Jerry's come out and they, let's be honest, the statement they released was amazing. Like I could feel a vibrational charge reading that like, holy shit. Like I felt like they meant it and they set the tone for what the expectation is, right? That's just an example. But um, we, you know, maybe 10 years ago, we wouldn't have cared. I don't give a shit what Ben and Jerry say. We might've been in that mindset, right? But now people command it. They're like, we must know your position on these world events and where you stand. Well, and and how do you think that'll affect you if you're running, you know, a multitude of companies mm-hmm. that are you still kind of <laughs> fingers in all the pies or is it, do you become kind of a, um, what is the word I'm looking for? The, um, like the social media person that promotes all these different companies, like, Hey, I'm the promoter for the company and they happen to all be mine. Yeah. What I do, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. I'm definitely not trying to be an influencer. No, it, it should be interesting. I'm glad you're asking this because we, on Monday, I'm having my first official kickoff call for a TV show. So we tried to do that a few years ago and then they changed the TV treatment, not the same company, right? But um, they changed the TV treatment and I don't need to be famous. In fact, I mentioned I'm a hermit living in the forest. Like I will say, dude, you live north of Toronto. (laughs) I know I will be, um, I'm happy to be on camera. I'm happy to be doing tons of podcasts. I host podcasts. Like I, I don't have a problem with visibility, but I'm not visible for visibility's sake. And I'm not visible because I need fame. I actually still am learning to be comfortable with people viewing me as a model for however they view me. Right but I am willing to do a TV show if it's in service. And so this last TV treatment was, they changed it a lot. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't need my, like, I don't need to compromise my personal brand for 15 minutes of fame. And so I put the thing on it and I've been very clear with these guys. We have a contract, like, listen, I'm driving the boat. Like you, you, this is not changing. It's, it's just not. And, and I'm not going to be investing this much sweat equity, which is my time and my time super valuable into something that, you know, goes, it goes awry. So this is what we're doing. If this is what you want to be a part of, great. But point is, is that, yeah, I mean, there, there has to be some changes anyways to these companies because I'm going to be busy doing that. Um, as you can imagine, the influx of different things coming in are going to be just different, right? I won't be able to be in the company. It's going to force me to come out of the companies also astrologically, interestingly enough. And I don't, I don't often read for my business or myself, but I had a reading at the beginning of this year and it said like, I'm going to have to significantly automate things this year and bring another support because of just the direction of the business. going. I'm meant to be doing the ma- Like really, this is the year that I'm meant to serve the masses. I've known for a few years, but this is the year. So we're building a, a book together um, to accompany the show. Right. So it'll be like a proper book deal and a proper TV show deal and that kind of thing. So with that in mind, um, you're going to be you know, busy. With- with my other company, I knew when I bought it, just because intuitively I heard you're going to acquire three competitors within the first three years and um, and then you're going to sell it, right? So I will build that company to eight figures and then I'll sell it and it, and it will hold its value, right? Just because of, you know, I know how to do that. And then- uh, Well, and I'm going to stop you for one second. It'll hold its value because you have the systems in place yeah such that it can run itself and to me that is kind of i don't know if i call it the nirvana of business or the nirvana of personal self-expression 
is to be mm. able to realize that you can make and create things and have somebody else take that idea, run with it, and that you still get to um, profit. Well, yes, profit from it, but I see profit as an exchange of value. So mm. you profit from it in that a ton of people see value in this and they're rewarding you for it because you've mm -hmm. created it and you've got it to a position where you can let it go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think and that's huge. That's the goal. I mean, maybe I will decide to keep it, but hire a C CEO for it. And maybe I'll decide to take it public and actually allow clients to have first right of refusal, so to speak, on like a pre-IPO kind of situation or something, who knows. But um, but it won't be something, it, it's not really feasible for me to do that. So I promote that mainly on LinkedIn because it's easier to separate. It's, it's a business that's more appropriate for LinkedIn, which you and I were talking about privately is the most boring party on the internet <laughs> with the most amazing and interesting people in the room, right? It's, it's the most place to be. But interestingly, when I switched over my other brand and just switched my profile and stuff to reflect this other company, it was amazing. It was night and day as to who flooded in because we we have a done for you service, right? We're booking people on podcasts and booking people on stages and brokering business deals and connecting people and stuff. So um, we're working with thought leaders and messengers and innovators and things like that. People are already searching for us and people that identify with that are hanging out on LinkedIn, right? Instead of their VAs and stuff, it's actually them for the most part, they're hanging out on LinkedIn. And then Facebook and Instagram, Pinterest, et cetera, is more of my woo brand. And it's way more established, right? It's this other company was, I think, two years old when I bought it. Whereas my company's two decades. I have two decades of SEO. I have two decades of a crazy amount of radio interviews and TV interviews and podcast interviews and blog posts and, you know, all the things right on the internet. So it's just different. But um, yeah, it, I mean, I at times I do feel a little schizophrenic for sure. It's not always easy to figure out what I'm doing for what. The cool thing about the other company is that it's a very, like the service suite or the suite of products, I should say, is so simple. It's so clear what we do. You, you, you're not, you, you will just absolutely not be unclear what happens when you land on our website. Everything about it is so clear. We're not trying to run a gazillion things. I'm not running challenges to try and fill it. I'm not running ads to try and fill it. It's just filling through referral partnership and so on. And, um, and then when we buy some other companies, right, then, you know, that changes the value. It, and, and even still, we will still probably use the same strategies. So um, with, with the more, more of my company, I have to do some of these live events and I have to do, sorry, let me rephrase that. I choose to, <laughs> sorry. I, I find that it's more effective when there's a live component to some of the things that we're selling because people want to connect with me because they know I'm the founder of it and they admire, they're all Healy Feely. So they're like, how did she do it? I'm a Healy Feely. I've got to follow this woman to figure out how she did it. And so, yeah, people do want to be connecting with me directly. They do want to feel like I'm speaking to them directly, that I'm live, that I'm accessible, that I'm relatable and various things like that. Well, and as we were also discussing before the show, you have an energy that is very captivating. And I mean, all you have to do is walk in the room and people can feel it. So it, it becomes um, like that essence of the business is something that you can't replace. <laughs> exactly. That is you, yeah, whether you business, like it or not. 
I, I, cause I thought about, well, what if I let one of the other teachers take over the training school, right. And we worked out some sort of financial arrangement. It would change. It doesn't mean it would be bad. It would just change because my name is so associated with that, that, um, some of the reworking I'm going to need to do with this company, right. Meaning the, the company that I'm doing the TV show with, cause they're, they're like, they, they took Mel Robbins, from obscurity to where she is now they took grant cardone from where he was to where he is now so they're they're exponentializers these folks and i don't say that at all to sound cocky it's just like i know that's what's what they coming do. that's yep. what they do that's what they're good at they were in the film mm-hmm. industry for a long time they have all the connection you know they know uh, and they have you know all the connections and the big publishing company all the big podcasts like all the things right so so it'll be an interesting journey this year but um we do, I do need to, we'll need to be chatting about what is my name going to be associated with and what is it not? And, and maybe I do have to bring in a CEO sooner than I thought for the, for the entirety of, of the different companies. Right. So that. Well, and I mean, um, it's kind of like, you can't expect Tony Robbins to change his name, but at the same time, Richard Branson can run however many companies he runs mm -hmm. and, and he is definitely the, the face of the business, but not in the business. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and it's being able to identify kind of that fine line and how that works for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause it's very important knowing that you're the generator, like, how does that, cause you're never not going to have ideas. You're never not going to have mm -hmm. visions of <laughs> something. So it's, what are you it, accusing me of? I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a beautiful thing. And it's it like fireworks true. perpetually going off. It's, you can't help yourself yeah. that you're fireworks. Are you a generator as well? I think so. Somebody okay. keeps telling me and I keep forgetting. And somebody's yeah. getting really excited every time I get excited about talking to you. So, that's <laughs> 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 so, so, so give us I do example. love animals. I do love, love my animals. Um, give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients. We would love to hear kind of some specifics as to what's going on for you. Oh, gee. Well, the client that the, the most recent one-on-one -on -one client that just came in, she came in six weeks ago. And she's the one that I have the performance-based arrangement with. And uh, so she created a seven-figure company in 13 months, which is crazy. And she had a lot of stuff going on before she came in. She And she shares this openly, right? So it's not, I, nobody's going to know who I'm talking about anyways, but she shares it openly that she um, she was a heavy drinker up until three years ago. And she stopped cold turkey and started getting into mindset work and so on. And, um, she tried Facebook ads at first offering it as a service and she was making money, but it was driving her body because we know, right. We know the expectations that people have, like you've got a crappy funnel and crappy graphics and crappy, you know, copy, but you think that we're going to be bringing you, you know, hundred clients a day kind of thing, right. It's not <laughs> going to happen. So then she got into coaching and that's where things really took off. And this is a woman that's not used to having a lot of money. She grew up very poor. And, um, and so she created, uh, this in 13 months and, and she's very, like, I, I just adore her. She's so flipping smart and, um, innovative and so on. And, and a big thinker, I like working with people that operate in the field of possibilities. That's where I like to play. I'll help you understand what's blocking you from that, but where we're going, we're not hanging out in the muck. We're actually trying to get you back into the field of possibilities. And uh, so we started working together six weeks ago. Within the first three weeks, she had already added like 250K to her income. She was getting nervous. Why she reached out to me was because things started to dry up, which can happen, right? Yeah. Especially when you grow that quickly. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you're tripping over your own feet, right? And just trying to catch up. 
And, and we're not always fully calibrated to that seven figure energy, right? Mm -hmm. You get it. There's, there's, you can tell what, if someone's seven figures, cause there's an embodiment. It's if they tell you they're seven figures that you can, there's like a palpable texture right. to the energy almost. Right. <laughs> For yeah. the most part. Right. Like I can, yep. I can pretty much tell how much people make based on how they show up, the type, the caliber of questions they ask, um, you know, whether they're talking about people or ideas, there's just certain there's a certain degree of emotional um, and leadership IQ that comes along with income, you know, increases. But anyways, um, and then she's posting online. And so we just spoke the other day. She's like, oh yeah, I just added another 300K. So in in these six weeks of maybe four phone calls together, she's added 500 plus K to her her bottom line. That's awesome. her goal is to get to eight figures, which is why we're, mm-hmm. we're working on it. Right. But she had, um, but you know, what's, what's interesting about her and I'll share this because I know we can all, you know, check in with ourselves and see is that she's willing to be in the emotion. Mm-hmm. We make emotions wrong, but whether you deal with our, or like, you know, when we get it kicked up, when we're trying to do a leap, like whether we deal with the emotion or whether we don't, we're still not feeling good. What if we just leaned into that emotion for like 30 seconds and let it pass? Because they're like the weather. They, they're transient. They come and go. And, you know, we have all these phases. She, um, her, she has a high risk tolerance. I think that's important, right? Being mm-hmm. able to be all in and she is an all, all in and she takes full responsibility. There's, there's just no blaming or deflection or I'm here because this person did this to me or because this person isn't doing this with me or any of that kind of stuff. Right. And she trusts herself. Important. Mm-hmm. Vastly important. Jennifer, we have come to the end of our time, which sucks because I can sit here and talk to you forever. <laughs> I, I am engrossed in the conversation. I'm like, what? Oh my God, I have to let you go. This is so sad. No, um, but don't I know let me that go. <laughs> I know people are wanting, going to want to start their journey with you. How did they do that? I spend probably too much time on Facebook. I'm on all the socials, but you actually get me directly uh, on Facebook. And so so just finding me on social media and sending a friend request or however that works, right? Sending me a message to let me know you listened. I'd be more than happy to hear that and, and say hello. I love saying hello to people. And then if you actually, you know, I, um, Michelle, I created a free assessment to help people just figure out how aligned they are to the new prosperity codes, right? Because it's a new world in post-2020, as we know, and there's new prosperity codes coming in. So if people go to souljourneys.ca forward slash prosperity codes, it's a free assessment and you get to see how calibrated you are to these new prosperity codes. And then additionally, we send you a report of like some of the things you can do to, to shift that energy, right? So People are kind of digging that and that's a great way to stay in touch because then you get to get yummy emails from me where I give you all kinds of prosperity pings and, you know, love ups and things like that. I love it. So peeps, we will of course have Jennifer's links in the notes, scroll down, go and click on those now, go check those out, but keep listening because we still have a little bit more because I still get to ask you at what point in life did you know that you're a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? You touched on it, but. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think it was five years in, honestly. That's I awesome. still felt what? Like, what am I, am, <laughs> do I belong? You know, I say I have the same feeling still at times in first class when I fly, um, as I did 
in the first few years, which is I, I'm waiting for the stewardess to come up to me and say, excuse me, miss, you don't belong here. Aww. And I don't mean that as a victim statement, right? It's just, <laughs> yeah, no, you it's know, just... you heard my background, right? I'm not used yeah. to that. And, um, and I still kind of had that, I think for the first few years, like someone was going to be like, this is cute and all, but isn't it time for you to get a job? Right. And I didn't have a plan B. I, I was, I was all in, but I didn't really realize I was all in until about five years in. That is awesome. I love it. Well, and I love hearing people's stories of, of kind of that understanding of you we may realize that we're um, unemployable, that we're, you know, the, we're totally the unemployable in life and we're playing too small. It's like, ah, okay, fine. I'll go do the thing that terrifies me yeah. or whatever it is. It's just, I think it's just a really fun discovery process that we go through to kind of figure it out. It's like the moment we call ourselves a business owner, as opposed to, you know, I'm just doing this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's a great way to put it. And I was identifying as a healer and I was already more than a healer, nothing wrong with being a healer. But that's what I did. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, as encompassing as it could have been. Love it. You have been absolutely awesome. Thank you so much. Any last words for our peeps? Oh my goodness. I don't, I, I guess I'll leave you again with that whole zone of genius and zone of competence, right. And looking at what's the next thing that I'm doing that if I'm honest with myself, someone else can do for me so I can create more space and give myself more time to focus on the, on the true zone of genius stuff. And because that's, that's where we're really prosperous with it. We actually make more money when we're in our zone of genius. Love it. Thank you again so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thank you. Awesome. Peeps, thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show, share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Thank you for listening to 7 to 8. If you're interested in upping your speaking game, be sure to connect with our guests with the links in the show notes and connect with me to see how we can help you get your tech done for you and help your speaking dreams come true.